Hey guys, this is Brian. Just wanted to give you a heads up about Akshay Nanavati, a great guest. And what he talks about and why I like this, and you're going to like it. Uh, he talks fast, but he has a lot of good advice about fear. And as entrepreneurs, we have lots of fear. And as business owners, we have lots of fear. And he talks about how to really recognize and call it fear. I never called it fear before, but now that I think about it, it is fear. I'm afraid we're not going to do well. I'm afraid that this client's not going to be happy. But he really talks about what that means and how we can really appreciate and use fear to our advantage. So take a look. That's a good one. This is The Business Machine. We talk with small business owners and entrepreneurs to get their advice on how they run their machines. These inspirational leaders share with us some of the tools they use to run their machines and talk about some of the mistakes they made along the way and what they learned. As business owners, we're all trying to fuel our machines, create a great team and put tools in place so that eventually our machines will run themselves. So get ready. Up next, the business machine is firing up. Hey guys, this is Brian with The Business Machine and also with Michigan Creative. I'm very excited to have our next guest. Akshay Nanavati is here with us today and he is a Marine Corps veteran. Thank you for his service. Author, speaker, and entrepreneur. Through his new book, Fearvana, love the title, and his coaching programs, Akshay draws on his expertise around understanding fear. He's dedicated his life to helping people reframe fear so that they can accomplish their goals and live limitless lifestyles. He's also got a book that's out called Fearvana, like we just said, and it's on fearvana.com. That's F-E-A com. You should check that out. And you guys know, because we talk about fear and my my uh, scaredness every time I wake up and wonder if we're going to make it as a company. So Akshay, we're super excited to have you on. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. Doing great. Pleasure to be here. So we talked a little bit off air here about fear. And we, we you know, we were trying to make that connection between, you know, you and Iraq and, and my fear, which seemed totally different. <laughs> Nowhere near the type of fear. But, you know, you kind of made that connection for us. Talk a little bit about to you what how is that fear the same in my head, maybe? Um, and how are you making that connection? And why even talk about fear? Absolutely. You know, I've, I've worked with many clients who have all have had all kinds of fears. I worked with one client, for example, who he was going on Iceland on a vacation, like luxurious vacation. He had money. He was going by himself and was terrified. And what happened was he kept beating himself up for feeling fear, thinking there's something wrong with him. Right. Because my fear seems justified, right? Like my job in Iraq was to walk out in front of our vehicle convoys to search for improvised explosive devices before they could blow up our vehicles. Sure, that's fear. So that seems like, oh, that's okay, right? But the problem is exactly that we judge our other fears. Now, to the outside world, my fear seems, oh, that's a dangerous thing. But how into the in internally to us, fear shows up as a fear. And even though I've done those dangerous things today, I still feel scared. My wife is not in the house. My puppy's not here. I feel scared sometimes just being alone in the house. And that's the craziest thing compared to, like, you know, walking in bombs. I've climbed mountains in the Himalayas. I've done a lot of scary things, like, quote, unquote, those, you know, objectively scary. So the point is that whatever fear shows up, the most important thing we can do is not judge it. Fear shows up because it shows up. And neuroscience has actually shown we don't control what first shows up in our brain. So the back part of our brain is that emotional part, that reptilian brain and that mammalian brain. We don't control what first shows up. Our point of power is what we do once things shows up. 
So however it shows up, whether it be quitting a job to start a business, running a business, uh, yeah. being in the house alone scared, however it shows up, I've learned myself not to judge my fears and say, okay, it may be weird. I might be – I might <laughs> – you know, before I used to be like beat myself up like what's wrong with you? Stop being a baby, right? Now it's like, okay, I'm scared. So what? And, uh, and then, then we can channel it into something meaningful and leverage the fear as a point of excitement. Yeah, and you talked a little bit. I was watching something. It was on a news show that you were on too, and you talked a little bit about how you prepared for that fear when you're in Iraq. Now, and, and that's going to set you up. So, you, you, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I, you know, I imagine you're like, okay, this is going to be. I don't. Know, you probably didn't say scary, but this is going to be really bad. And so we're going to set ourselves up and prepare for something like that, and do our very best to make sure everybody's there, everybody's with us on the mission. But how do we then prepare ourselves? Because really, we don't even know. I think a lot of times I wouldn't even call it before I was really start do my research on you. You know, I wouldn't even call what I was feeling fear. But now that I was reading a little about about you and your book, and it is fear. You know, I guess I'm afraid that it's not going to work. I'm afraid that yeah. I'm not going to have payroll. I'm afraid that somebody's not going to go with us, and that means that they don't like me and they don't like my company. Yeah. So, so that is fear, and I can tell you it bothers me. And I have to, re <laughs> I mean, I have to really put yeah. myself in check daily. Going, okay, you know, why are you feeling like this? This is probably not real. So, is our fear real, or are we making I it? Or are we making it more than what it really is? I completely understand, and it's natural to feel scared about the starting the business. And fear is re real. You know, people talk about these things like irrational fears and fears mm -hmm. as false evidence appearing real. Right. But in your head, it's real, and that means it's real. Like everything real is perception. Perception shapes reality. And uh, so, coming back to the, the you know the thing about Iraq is that when you have fear, fear propels you to prepare. So, although you know, for example. I, I writing my book was a terrifying process. I bet. The whole similar to what you said, you're worried. Am I good enough? Are people going to work sure. with me? It's the same thing for my book. Is that is this any good? Are people going to like it? Inevitably, you're going to get a one star review on Amazon. <laughs> but fear propels you to prepare, right? So I mean, in writing my book, I must have trashed a hundred thousand words worth of work. Mm -hmm. I studied from people who had written great books, who had sold great books. Okay, what does it take? And ultimately, I've written something. Now I'm truly, I can humbly say that I'm truly proud of. I mean, I got a forward from the book from the Dalai Lama. You know, I got wow. these great endorsements. So now that's that's led to this realization. Okay, I truly produce something that's meaningful beyond just me feeling that I've gotten the outside outside credibility and endorsements. But it was a result of fear. You know, <laughs> if you're not scared about something, you really don't care about it. Like, I mean, you care about your business, which is why you're scared about losing it. You care about your life. It's the same thing about my book. I mean, I know people who've written books just to have a book and. In all honesty, and not, and they will themselves will tell you this. I know a lot of people like this. They just wrote a book to have a book, so there was no fear about writing it. There was no like you know <laughs> anxiety. They just put something out there, and uh, and so like I didn't want to do that. This was going to be my sort of magnum opus, if you will, <laughs> and inevitably there was fear because of that. So fear is a sign of love for what you do. I think fear and love are not these two diametrically opposing forces, which you often hear in this personal development world, but they're very connected. We feel fear, like I'm scared if I something happens to my dog or the, you know people parents are scared if their kids go out because we love love our kids we love our family we love our business our, ourselves you know so when we look at fear from that point of view then we can isolate it we can understand it we can try to understand what's causing it and then prepare for it you know and i wonder too if we weren't and i you know again it's interesting because i don't think i would have called it fear i think you know it's more now i would but i, I think more of it's like hey you got to take a chance and if it doesn't work it doesn't work but i wonder yeah. if if we weren't afraid kind of like what you said about the book like if he didn't really care then who cares like i mean exactly. i can't really put anything into exactly. it if it fails it fails i don't really give a shit but you know <laughs> if i wasn't scared about losing certain things or if we weren't afraid then maybe 
maybe we wouldn't even do it or maybe it would be sort of half ass. So how do you channel that? How do you so okay, I'm afraid of something that's going to come up. I'm like, "Oh my gosh, this is, you know, I'm not looking forward to this and mm-hmm. I, we're probably not going to get this contract." And and how do I take that negative thought, I guess, and turn it yeah. into something that's going to make me do better and make me get sure. through that if I don't get it? Because that's my fear. Yeah, yeah, I understand. And to kind of, before I answer that, I want to address the first point. What you just said was that you know you didn't often you didn't first label it as fear. Not at all. And one of my one of my business mentors who's worked with companies like raised worked with all kinds of startups, helped make million thirty millions of dollars, you know, millions of dollars for his companies. He said that like whenever he works with entrepreneurs, and he's literally worked with like thousands, he said they'll often not use the word fear. Nope. There'll be these code words that will kind of be, you know, that cover up their fear. And the reason being is because we don't like to admit fear. Because fear itself, the word has a negative connotation. Sure. So it's like we don't want to admit it. So we have these little code words. We use other words. It shows up in the form of procrastination. It shows up in all kinds of forms, right? But yes, it's absolutely a buried fear. And when we can unearth it, then coming back to now this part of your question, when we can unearth it and just really accept that it's fear, we realize that it's not not a negative thing. And I'll give you in the context of a yeah. military example. I have a friend who ran into a burning Humvee who to save a fellow Marine. Now fear – was he scared? Of course he was. He himself will tell you that. And, and, and the reason fear helped him there is because fear channeled his focus. It said, okay, all that matters right now is saving my friend, saving my fellow Marine. And it gave him adrenaline. It increased uh, – it actually increased also what's called oxytocin, which is the quote-unquote mm-hmm. love hormone because it, he knew that his friend was in danger and he needed to save his friend. So fear sort of – it shut down everything else that didn't matter. If he had rationality and didn't have fear, he would pause to think about it. But he didn't. Fear immediately took over his brain. His brain said, okay, this is a life-and-death situation. I need to respond instantly. So fear shuts off that slower thinking brain. Reason and rationality are slow, but you know that that emotional brain is fast. So to answer that second part of your question, how do we leverage it? It's first recognizing that it's not a negative emotion, right? Yeah, it's just an emotion. That's, that's yeah, yeah, I think that's, that's really I mean, important. I, yeah. I know that sounds simple and people sure. are often and I'm gonna get into sort of more like tactical tips, yeah, yeah. but I cannot stress how more important that is. <laughs> Simply saying that this is not a negative emotion, this is just an emotion. Because ultimately there are no bad or good emotions in general. They're just emotions. It's up to us what we do with them. So then we can look at like some tactical tips is, you know, things like isolating yourself from the fear. I talked about from the book, okay, I'm scared. Now what? Why am I scared? What's causing this? A great technique to use is Toyota's five whys technique where you look at the barrier and you dig deep. Like you ask yourself why to it five times. Hmm. So when I was doing my book, okay, why am I procrastinating my book? Because it's a lot of work. Why is that scary? Because I don't know if my work will pay off. And ultimately, you know, I would dig deep. Why, why, why? And then I would find because I'm not good enough. Like that's all, all, that's a deep core fear. A lot of us feel and I heard you mention it oh, as yeah. well for sure right? we, a lot of us feel that I'm not good enough fear and then and that's and you know and that's a normal fear to feel we you and that's again another problem is that we have so many people telling us don't feel scared be fearless eliminate self-doubt you know get rid of stress yeah, yeah. and all these all these sort of quote-unquote experts and wisdom is telling us not to feel what we're feeling and then when we feel it we feel bad that we're feeling it because we think that <laughs> you know we think that the experts and the great people don't feel it and that's like ridiculous that's but, not at all true I know. And that's the thing, too. You know, this podcast has really opened my eyes to that a little bit. And if anything, I'm going to keep doing this podcast just because it makes me feel like I'm not alone. Because (laughs) you get these people on here like Bedros. You know, I had him on about a month ago, you know, super successful, you know, doing really good. But man, this guy struggled. 
and he was having a real hard time and it's just like like I don't want to say I like when other people struggle but it goes it goes <laughs> no, okay man I'm not crazy man I mean yeah. it, it's not easy and I think that that point alone very very similar to going okay I, I'm I'm afraid and procrastination I think is a very easy one to attack uh, really yep. to talk about fear because typically that's what we do if if we're like yeah. eh. It's not that I don't want to do the work, or it's not that they don't want to do the work. It's just like that fear is an easy way to Very put stuff fair. off. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Hmm. Exactly. That's why understanding it can allow you to do something with it. I mean, I'll give you in the context of guilt, too. I, uh, I've been sharing this. You might have seen me share it, and, and you mentioned some of the TV interviews. But, you know, when I got back from Iraq, I struggled with survivor's guilt. I lost oh, I a close friend of mine to the war uh, before I even left, and we were actually in the same unit. We had volunteered to go together all the time. One summer, I was vacationing in India, and he ended up going. And he never came back. Hmm. And so I always felt that I should have gone there with him and it should have been me that died instead of him. So I felt like this 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 thing that I didn't deserve to be happy, you know, because I was off having fun, he went and he died. And so the guilt was sort of buried there. I buried it with alcohol, buried it with drinking until I started, you know, doing some of the work that I've now, you know, all the research in neuroscience, psychology, spirituality, doing some of the things I'm sharing with you and said, okay, you know what? The guilt is okay. And everybody, and, and the truth is everybody tried to tell me to get rid of the guilt, the therapist, the, my parents, family, really? you know, friends. And I understand where, you know, they're doing it from a place of love, but the truth is rationally, I got the difference. Like rationally, I get, had I gone there with them, a million different things could have happened differently and he could have still died and I could have still come home. But emotionally didn't change the fact that I still felt guilty about the fact that it should have been me instead of him. I mean, he was my brother in arms, you know? And uh, so the guilt didn't go away. Now the guilt is my greatest ally. I have his poster up on my wall right next to my bed when I wake up. It's on the front of my training journal and it says, this should have been you. Earn this life. Hmm. Hmm. And now my guilt reminds me to stay sober. It reminds me that this life that I've been given now, it's not up to me to waste. I have a responsibility to do something meaningful with it. So, so and I wonder, yeah, I wonder if you would have got rid of it. I wonder if you would have got rid of it, then that made it. Exactly, yeah, right? Right, like, right. Now it's this hugely emotional, powerful thing that I wake up to. But like even emotion, emotion is what creates meaningful, uh, meaningful memories and, and leads to meaningful action ultimately. So it's this hugely powerful thing that drives me so much to stay focused on my work, to stay focused on staying sober and ultimately on making an impact. So let's go to that point. And, and, you know, right when you got back, a lot of people just think that, you know, when you get back right away and if you're going to have issues, you're going to have PTSD right away. But it's interesting with you. It didn't hit you for a while. Yeah. Um, something like 10 years and correct me if I'm wrong, but it didn't really, you know, you were doing okay when you got back, but it didn't really hit you till that moment. But then how did you decide to do this research? I mean, you didn't just go, you know what, today I'm going to start doing research and everything's yeah. going to be okay. How did you make that, that turn? And, and why did you make that? I mean, did you get to the bottom? Absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I had kind of gotten into personal development work since, cause before I even joined the Marines, I was in high school, I was uh, on drugs. I wasted away my life with drug addiction for a year and a half. I lost two friends to drug addiction as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I was very much headed down that path. So when I got out, joined the Marines, I got in outdoor sports like mountain climbing, cave diving, skydiving. I mean, you name it. And that kind of got me into personal development work as well to a certain degree because I started looking at, you know, how do you how does one become a peak performer kind of thing. But the intense research really began when I hit that low moment a few years after the war. When you know, I woke up from this five-day binge drinking session, and I just thought to myself, this pattern of drinking and sobering up would never end. Yeah. 
And when I hit that low moment, I said to myself, like, it shocked me that I would even think of, even for if, you know, that I would even think of taking my own life. That, then I realized, okay, something needed to change. And I, as I mentioned, I didn't like that, you know, I was going to the VA, and I don't blame the VA people. Sure. Like, I think they were honestly genuinely, you know, care, cared for me and wanted my best interest. I just actually, if I do blame anything, I think it's that the way that treatment is being handled is awful in general and it's not just the vfc and other therapists handle stuff like awfully uh for friends and for family if mine as well so um so i started i was like i gotta figure this out myself and that's what led me to the research i mean years of research and hundreds of books that not only healed my own brain but i think helped me help others and figure out like how do we all live a happy and meaningful life so what are you doing now? I know you wrote the book. Um, what else are you doing to help people? You know, and how do you take people in? And, and how are you really helping people get over their fears? And and what yeah. what type of people are they? Are they all business owners? Are they you know just in general? And what are you doing now in your business currently today besides writing the book? Uh, my primary business has been one on one coaching, but now with the launch of the book around the corner, I'm kind of. Uh, um, you know, working my way out of that one-on-one coaching. The same business mentor I was mentioning, he kind of was, you know, he talked about the evolution of a company. It starts with services, a product, and a platform. So you go from people-driven to process-driven to ecosystem-driven. Mm-hmm. So I've been very comfortable in my people-driven place uh, because, I mean, I was happy I was making good money and I was where I wanted to be. But I'm at the point now I'm migrating to the product and in the near future, the ecosystem-driven. So we've been doing coaching, but now I'm getting more into speaking and build, building digital information products and eventually Fearvana will become this uh, in fact as early as next year we're building it out is building out Fearvana in different verticals so sort of what like Sir Richard Branson is to Virgin I want to be to Fearvana but instead of unlike Virgin which has like 200 different verticals we will be focusing primarily under the umbrella vertical of uh, umbrella theme of enhancing the well-being and improving the quality of people's lives so we're going to build out a Fearvana Fitness Fearvana Academy Fearvana Festival the next immediate, I already started a Fearvana Foundation, which is the nonprofit arm of this Fearvana thing. This uh, Fearvana, hopefully, it'll be the Fearvana Empire as we grow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the next immediate step is building out the Fearvana Academy, which will be uh, an educational institution for the younger generation to teach them these kind of life skills they're not learning in school. Good. Yeah, because I think they absolutely need it. And I know we talked about before how you yourself have seen students uh, suffer and, you know, lose their lives through, through addiction. I, I, like, as I mentioned, I've lost friends and not just friends to drug addiction from my own youth. I'm seeing, I mean, we're, we're seeing it collectively as a society. Depression rates are rising. Suicide rates are rising. Uh, so, you know, we're seeing all of that happen. And, uh, and I think it's generally because we're, we're these younger generation coming to a world that they're not ready for and a world that's not ideally suited to living a happy life. Like collectively right now, we're looking at progress from this point of view of making our lives easier, but making our lives easier is not making our lives better. No. And so I want to help them make their lives better, not just easier. <laughs> and I, yeah, and I think the younger generation, I have got children, and, and I think of my, my son who's now going into seventh grade, and you, you see this kid, he's, you know, everything's great for him. He's got a great life, and you yeah. know, he's got friends, and he's a great athlete, and everything's good. And when he went into middle school, this is last summer, about this time, um, scared to death and you would never, I mean, on the surface, you would never know that he was scared of anything, let alone, but he just had this idea in his head and it really, I mean, I, I we were concerned. I just never even thought that I would see him like this and it was fear and of the unknown and, and things mm-hmm. that he had no idea about. Ultimately it worked out yeah. fine. He, you know, he, yeah. he got through it, but it was a real struggle. So I think if anybody today needs these type of lessons or this type of academy right. is going to be the younger generation because right. yeah. I think we could talk about social media, we could talk about drugs, we could talk about, I mean, yeah. Yeah. 
there's so much more that's available to them to make them either feel terrible about themselves, but, or that they're not performing at a certain rate. Yeah. So I think if they could really wrap their heads around, how are they feeling and what are they feeling? Like, like a kid who's going into middle school shouldn't be afraid and not sleeping because he's going into a middle school. Yeah. And so that's no, really I, interesting. I think that young generation is just not getting any of this anywhere. Absolutely. Right. In school, they're only learning the math, science, all that kind of stuff. And I'm not saying it's not important, but they definitely need to learn this. And that's what inspired it from my own uh, struggles and from what I'm seeing with many cousins and just collectively as well. So we're starting building that out in India initially. It'll be an online education, in pla- like sort of like Khan Academy, but yeah, yeah. this will be the for-profit model because we do have the nonprofit arm of Fearvana Foundation. But uh, we're starting it initially doing sort of the beta rounds in India. Uh, because I have a team of investors there. I also, uh, I mean, India also actually has the highest student suicide rate in the world. Oh my gosh. Which is shocking. It works yeah. out to about one every hour. Um, and so we're starting it there uh, for need and also because the resources are good there. Yep. And then we'll eventually expand globally. So, Akshay, let me ask you this. And this is, you know, I like this question a lot too. So, here you are the expert on fear, and you wrote a book about Fearvana, and you're starting an academy that'll be mm-hmm. global. What do you do? Do you still get in trouble, do you think? Do you still have these moments? Oh. <laughs> I know the answer to this question, but, you know, we, we want to yeah. know that the expert, uh, you know, we, we like to think in our heads, and we talked about this, that the expert of this is everything's perfect. So what do you have to do to keep yourself in check? Yeah, no, I'm glad you asked that because I absolutely love sharing that, that, you know, because, again, you people hear that, oh, I'm the expert, that I must be, like, perfect and not fear, and I cannot stress how that's far that is from the truth. I was not only terrified of writing my book, but as I mentioned, you know, I feel a fear. I'm, I'm in my house alone. My wife's in India right now, and I feel this weird anxiety sometimes just stepping into my house being alone, you know. Yeah. I'm still scared that my book won't do well. I mean, I could have all the endorsements in the world, you know, Dalai Seth Godin, Jack Canfield, these great endorsements. I'm still scared nobody will buy my book, and it'll be like this piece of trash in the corner Uh, (laughs) and even looking like looking on your website I was just looking at that section and I'm like well gosh he's good but you could look at that page a hundred times and still not think it's going to be any good right yeah, exactly. I mean, I still, you know, I share on social media all these wins that are happening. I've been interviewed sure. on tons of podcasts. Inc. Magazine wrote a feature article. I got featured in Fast Company. I got stuff coming out in Forbes, Entrepreneur.com, like all this great stuff, right? There's constantly fear that it still <laughs> won't lead anywhere. And then after this fear, so, you know, the, the point of all this is that the, the, the whole goal is not to eliminate fear and eliminate problems. The, go, the point of goal as you grow in life is to find new ones. Is that, you know, there, there are always going to be problems to find. There's always going to be fears. There's always going to be stressors. The, 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 the challenge is if you're experiencing the same ones, then something is wrong. If you're approaching new yeah. problems. So my first problem was the fear of writing a good book. Okay, I overcame that. I faced it. I wrote what I believe is a good book. I got outside testimonials to validate that. Now there's the next fear. And after this one, there'll probably be another one. In fact, there definitely will not probably. There'll be the Fear of Ana Academy. Then there'll be the Fear of Ana Fitness. There'll be something. Then there'll be my own adventures from climbing mountains in the Himalayas. I want to go back to mountaineering and running. So, you know, the, the, th- the thing to stress is and the, the problem that I see and I can – like I just worked with the kid the, recently. I worked with another client who actually we stopped working together because he said, I just want to be happy. I don't want any stress. And, and another <laughs> kid I was working with said – you know, this kid asked me, he's like, you mean there's no such thing as a stress-free life? No. I'm like, no, but that's not a bad thing. Like right. if you find a meaningful cause, if you find a meaningful – I always call it your worthy struggle. It will be stressful, but stress is a good thing. You don't want to live a stress-free life because then there's no nothing to grow. I mean think about it from a physical perspective. When you work out your muscles, you put them under stress and that's how they get stronger. It's the same thing with the mind and the spirit. You put it under stress and you get stronger that way. So always be looking for that next problem, that next fear, that next stress, and that will lead you to your next stage of your own evolution. 
Yeah, because if we don't have that, we're just complacent and we're static. okay. Yeah, you're static. Yeah. Exactly. It's interesting. <laughs> Hey everybody, this week's episode is also sponsored by Freshwater Apparel. Check out freshwaterapparel.com, that's freshwaterapparel.com, and check out their spring collection of t-shirts, and soon beanies are going to be on the way. We love these guys over at Freshwater. It's a Midwest clothing company, and they make all their products in Lansing, Michigan, and the shirts are 100% made in america so you can't beat that so if you love fresh water like we do here at michigan creative you should definitely check out their site lots more coming but right now they have t-shirts and tanks for both men and women like i said before beanies are coming stickers all that stuff so check out freshwaterapparel.com and get fresh back to the show let's talk yeah. about mistakes we we talk about mistakes uh, uh, in here a lot when i present to students and when i present to business owners too i don't talk about all the things we've done right i i talk about a lot of yeah. the things we did wrong and, and they I appreciate that. that it's yeah it's interesting <laughs> and there's a lot of them um, i'm surprised we made it um but <laughs> like especially my, with my, me my. at charge i know <laughs> sometimes i just shake my head going what the how did i do this <laughs> who did this but what was, give me a mistake that you, you know, it could be in the process of writing your book or it could be in the, you know, in the process of maybe starting on this new journey for you or even before that, what are some mistakes that, or a mistake that you made that you could really point out or you tell somebody, hey man, don't do that? Uh, you know, so I've shared a few of my own personal ones from the drinking, the addiction. Yeah, yeah. So let me share one of the sort of business ones earlier One uh, uh, in as I started my coaching business. You know, you'll often hear again, people say, don't compare yourself to others, right? Uh, and and we social media makes it very easy to see what other people are doing. Yeah, I have a right? problem with that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And the truth is, we are going to compare ourselves to others. Yeah. That's just how the brain works. I like think it's so, yeah. natural. It, like uh, Professor Dan Ariely, who wrote the book uh, Predictably Irrational, talks about how we operate from references. Like everything we perceive in the world is a matter of a reference to something else. So we are going to compare ourselves to others. The, the what we need to do is then become aware of that comparison. So I used to compare myself to others, and then I would I would try to drive myself from going from this. We talked about sort of the three stages of the business to going from the service to like uh, to faster going from product to platform and I was trying to rush so I would invest in PR Mm -hmm. I spent about $10,000 on this silly PR thing I would try to build up my product and it wasn't working and I realized that you know what I didn't want to do that. I was very happy in my service. Yes, it involved my time, but who cares? Like, I don't have to do this because people say, oh, you know, the passive income thing. Like, who cares if that's not what you want to do? (laughs) You know, if you enjoy your coaching, then do it. Like, so the thing is, acknowledge and accept the fact that you're going to compare yourself to others. But like anything, same thing with the way you approach fear. There's no bad or good emotions. You don't have to rush it if you don't want to. Like, I'm now getting to the point where I'm choosing to very consciously driving to a product and process driven thing. But, you know, there's all these arbitrary measures. Like, you'll see people say six figures or seven figures why does that really matter like why does that number mean anything it doesn't right like who cares if you're making a million if you're making much less and much happier like you know that's what matters so focus more focus more from that focusing ultimately realizing for myself that you know i was trying to rush it but ultimately i realized i was having a great lifestyle my wife and me were traveling new countries all the time uh i was training for marathons i was other than you know barring some of my deeper demons that i was talking about earlier everything was great like i was like there's no need to rush this so now i'm at a point where i'm consciously expanding it so yeah, that's kind of the mistake and realizing, you know, okay, compare myself to others, but stepping outside of that comparison to then become aware of what you want to make it mean. So talk about what you have to consistently remind yourself to do. And it could be the morning routine, but where do you yeah. get it? Where do you get in trouble or what are some things that you know? Because I think at least 
a good example, there was an email. I should never check my email in the morning. I've told myself not to do it. Then I checked my email this morning. And so yeah. all the way to work, <laughs> it was not a big deal and I'm over it now. But on the way to work, there was an email and I was just like, God damn it. And there's something that we should have covered and we didn't. Now it's fixed. No problem. But the 20 minute drive to work was miserable. And I caught myself about, I don't know, 13 minutes into the drive. I'm like, and all I did was like, hey, man, you're feeling this way because of this. Take a couple deep breaths and then boom. You know, I was a lot better. I wasn't, you know, totally over it once we solved it. So what do you have to do? Because I imagine you're getting better at knowing when those things are coming. Mm -hmm. And you can feel either physically or mentally. A lot of time it's both. So how do you get when you're like, ooh, I'm feeling this way. What do you do? And what do you have to make sure that you do consistently? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I absolutely still feel that and I get it. So I definitely have some structures I set, I've set up. Like I do have a morning ritual. And I, I myself, I'm not saying I'm perfect with it sometimes, sure. especially now in this in the book marketing grind that I'm in. Sometimes I'll check emails first thing because, you know, you know, I'll get an email from something. Oh, this media thing. And yep. so sometimes I check emails, but then you don't get it and you feel disappointed, right? So I'm not saying I'm perfect with it. But the morning rituals have been, have been great following it. So I have a list that I follow. The goal here is what you want to do is you want to try to remove thinking from as much as possible from the from the part of the process like from you know most areas of your life so you can channel the cognitive energy and your willpower when you for when you need it most so for example right now my morning ritual is a list that i have to follow that i don't think about so it says prayer meditate play wake up music hmm. 25 push-ups brush teeth review goals and plan for the day so that's just a list i'm reading reading off on an app on my phone so i don't have to think about it and then i try to structure my work days into formats like one like this is what i used to do when i skied across greenland we spent a month skiing 350 miles across uh the largest, second largest ice cap in the world. And one thing I've, I've constantly been doing now is replicating the systems and structures from life and war and these adventures in business. Because business and this quote-unquote real world is very complicated. Sure. So it's, it's valuable to replicate the simplicity of those worlds into this world. So now what I do is for one hour to one hour, ten minutes, I, have a very, I follow one task. I have a clear task on what those are because, as I said, uh, you know, I reviewed it from the morning, but I've also I planned them out the night before. So, for example, today I have a very specific set of five things I need to get done today, and then in one hour to one hour, ten minute shifts, I do one thing. Then I take a 10-minute break. Then I do another shift, and usually after two shifts, I take a longer break. And I try to get anywhere from five to seven shifts done a day. Um, Sometimes, you know, life happens or whatever. Yeah. And then I then I conserve my energy, my cognitive energy for the for for the task of doing those things. And also for like specifically for me, one ritual I cannot skip out on is exercise. Is exercise is invaluable in terms of enhancing my focus, my well being in every every possible way. So creating these structures, but one thing, you know, you asked also is how do I remind myself how to stay? So sometimes I get caught up in the grind, right? Like in the day to day work, in the business and all that. So I often have to remind myself, what is this really for? Why am I doing this? So I actually watch scenes from war movies, um, and it's ironic because war movies used to drive me to drink, but now once again they drive me to do so to stay sober. So it's, you can do the same action, but if you do it from a different level of consciousness, it changes the whole outcome. That's really and, really interesting how that worked yeah, for you. Yeah, you wouldn't think exactly. that would work. You think that'd exactly. be the exact opposite thing of what you should be doing. Right, right. So and it used to, and I used to completely stay away from anything uh, related to war movies or anything because used to put me in such a bad place but now i watch these scenes from let's say black hawk down or this new movie hacksaw ridge yep. and it will remind me like there's a particular scene in the movie in hack black hawk down he says you know what it, what it's all about is about the men next to you and so and obviously i mean this in the military it was men but women as well it's about people next to you yeah, so yeah. that i'm doing this in service of something greater and um 
and when sometimes when you get caught up it's you know it's you get stressed i get low like ugh, i hate all this because i'm not one who loves staring at a computer screen i'd much rather be out there like you know running across the world uh, yeah. <laughs> experiencing humanity and life in the in the in the trenches so to speak but reminding myself that this is my new battle and it's okay this is the battle for now and it's really no different than i mean objectively it is of whatever but in eternally it's no different than the battle i faced in war and it's up to you to embrace this battle just as you embrace that and uh, and reminding myself what it's for. Like in war, it was about the men next to you, and that's what it is now. It's about the people I want to serve. There's two things in there, Akshay, that you said that I want to get a little clarification on because sure. the, you said something that was, you want to replicate the simplicity of 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 war and also of of skiing across the ice, which <laughs> neither one of those seem very simple to me. So what did you mean? <laughs> so when you do these things, life is very simple out there because. You don't have to like like in war. Life is when you when when all you have to worry about is living and dying. Life is very simple. True. In war, like in Iraq, there was my men and my mission. That's it, really. I mean, then and you know, third of the people there, we were there to serve as well. But you wake up every day. You have a clear mission. You follow it. Um, some days they go longer, but it yes, it's not easy, you know. But it's one clear mission, and then you go finish that mission, and your your challenge is over. So, for example, in this world, you like you know, with building a business, you do something, but you don't necessarily know how it'll pay off. Yeah. Right. Like so, there's in in war in Greenland. Every you have a very clear mission to get to the other end. Every day you ski X amount of miles, you're that much closer to the end. That's it. There's nothing else to worry about, right? There's one clear target, one clear mission. In business, you have to think about the marketing, the sales, the employees, the this, the that, you know. And then within marketing, there's 20 different things. So right now, I'm marketing my book. There's there's radio, there's TV, yeah. there's JV partners, there's podcasts. Oh right? my gosh, yeah. Then I got to build out the marketing funnel. I got to, you know, I mean, it just goes on and on and on. So are we making it too complicated though? I, mean, I think. I think to some degree it's inevitable, but so the problem is then – I mean then the challenge again is is reducing that complexity yeah. to the simple next step, which is again what I'm coming back to the question of why I do what I do and and finding the gift. See, the truth is war is an addictive thing. That's why many people struggle when they come back because there's simplicity out there. I mean beyond you know the, the trauma and all part of it is that we're we living in, in a very simple world in war and um, – and it's hard to readjust to a complicated model. I mean, even when I came back, you know, all of a sudden, I mean, like as something as simple as, okay, now I'm meeting girls again to go date, right? Like that's a thing to worry about now. Oh, I don't want to look stupid. For... In war, I don't have that because there are no girls out there you know, yeah. to, to, to meet. So it might sound like a silly thing, but it's just one more thing on this plate of complexity that adds to the to life in the real world. There's bills to pay. There's what do I do with my day as an entrepreneur? You know, you could wake up and watch TV all day and really is it the end of the world if one day you do that you know maybe maybe not depending on what stage of your business you are in sure. but do you really want to do that you know what I mean and but it's easy right it's easier to go do that than than to put in the work for your building your business and maybe then you think about okay what do I do today you know so when you have structures they impose simplicity upon you so the so the value is bringing those structures and imposing them upon yourself so you uh, can replicate the sort of the the simplicity of again these 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 adventures where mission is very very clear. Yeah, and I like you know you talked about movies and war movies. I I think the scene that really describes what you're talking about is the simplicity of it is is in the Hurt Locker where he comes back and he's in this huge grocery store that has 500 boxes of cereal and it's very complicated. Yeah, <laughs> and it makes him not want to be there. It makes him want to just go back to the simple life of of war, which to the average person doesn't sound very simple, but that makes sense. 
yeah, you don't have to think about what you eat in war because it's given to you, right? Yeah, like, right. And they've shown, like, I mean, it's actually a thing called decision fatigue. Every time you make a decision, it wears you down a little bit. Yeah. And over here, and that's why there's also, there's a thing called, a, and there's a book called The Paradox of Choice, that the more choices we have, the less likely we are to make a decision because we're drained. And, and so that's a great, I actually haven't seen that movie, but I've heard of that scene uh, uh, where, where you, that you're talking about mm-hmm. is, yeah, that then now I go to the store. I mean, just the other day I was, I went to the store and my aunt wanted yogurt and I'm like, there's seven different kinds of yogurt. <laughs> Yeah. Which kind of yogurt do I want? Greek you know? yogurt? So, do you want? Yeah, yeah right. exactly. So it's like, uh, so I don't have to think about all that in war, right? right. So that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> when you talk about it that way, it does make it seem simple. I mean, there's, but yeah. then I think we could do that. I mean, if you want to look at a business, I mean, the, our goal is to be, you know, successful and, and to make it to the end and and mm-hmm. to be an X, you know, whatever size company that you think you want to be. And I think it. Yeah. When I when I think about that, I think when running our business, that helps. You know, not to say that you get to forget about everything else, but that does help. You know, there's an end goal. Yeah. There's, a, there's a goal. There's a bigger goal that we're all trying to get to, and we're going to have to mess around with all the stupid shit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, I couldn't agree with you more. Yep. <laughs> and that's what you're doing right now. Not that it's stupid, yeah. but I mean, I know how. how no, it is. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of things that you kind of have to do, but sure. there's a part of the process. Exactly. Like he's saying, this thing. podcast is one of those stupid things, but that's okay. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. I love these. These are my favorite things. Yeah, I know. It's I far like... more enjoyable than uh, staring at a computer screen. Yeah, you and trying to do a funnel or something like stupid you. like that, right? Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah. so actually, talk to me a little bit about shutting it off because I, I hate the word work. Turn, uh, I'm sorry, I hate the word work life balance because I think it's silly and I just I hate it. But we do have to do that. You have a, you have a family. We do have yeah. to turn it off. But as an uh, entrepreneur like you are and, and writing a book, you could work from your phone anywhere in the world. So yep. you've done a pretty good job at blocking off your time and getting things done. And I really like that because I think trying to do ten things at once, you never get one done. But how do you, you've got to be able to, because I'm sure you're thinking, well, I got to do this now for my book. And maybe if I'm, I'm, you know, not doing anything, my book's not going to get out there. So what do you do to purposely turn that side off? Definitely not perfect at this in this current phase. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> I, uh, I, I generally I'm pretty good, but currently, like as the book timeline draws near, it's yeah. a little bit more uh, um, sort of harder. But I've created the, one thing that I do to turn on and off is creating very like creating triggers. Creating like so I actually have a song on my iPod called an activation trigger. Uh, and and I do the same thing to shut off. So I have so one of my go-to songs to shut off is Bruce Springsteen's Paradise. Really? And and when you create, what happens is when you create these triggers, like your brain starts to associate this song as like a trigger to go on or off. So every time before, I'll give you an example. So every time before I go for a run, and the way to build these triggers is find an activity you enjoy that and you love. So I used to I like love running. It's easy. I would I would procrastinate on running by going running a marathon. Like I mean, sorry, procrastinate on writing. So when I was in the process of writing my book. I would often procrastinate. So I'm just going to go run, and then it'd be easier for me to go like run a marathon than it was to write. Wow! So, <laughs> so what I would do is I would play this one particular song before running. After about a week or two of doing it, you then play that same song before writing. And now every time it comes on, it's like my brain's like it's in go uh, mode. It's yeah, on. It. You know, this is time to time to time to enjoy it. And you could start enjoying struggle that way as well. The thing that struggle, and so then working and then creating triggers for off as well. So when you're absolutely burnt out, you know, and you just can't stay on anymore play a song because sometimes if you can't shut off right now it's not like it's going to overnight suddenly create a shift you know uh is so when you when you get to that point okay i'm not able to shut off i'm not able to shut off but eventually you'll get to a point where you're just burnt out and you need to sleep right 
play some, like use music as a very powerful trigger. Play one song. So Bruce Springsteen's Paradise is my go-to shut-off song. And I try to do that before night. I mean, I'm not saying I'm great. Like right now, my wife's not even in town, so my work can extend until all hours of the day. Sure. And I don't, I, but I don't have a problem with that. It's not like I'm, I'm very conscious about doing that. It's not like I'm, you know, forced to do it or anything like that. I enjoy it, and that's fine with me. And I told my wife too that even when she gets back here, that until the launch, we're gonna do this, and she's supporting me. And she says, "I totally get it." So cool. You know, sometimes you have those phases where you got to you know, put, push a little harder. Um, like it's like a dry face. It's almost like a, yeah, yeah. like when you're training for a marathon, you have a taper, you have a peak phase. Think of it like that. Right. So this is that, that push phase. Uh, but when eventually, obviously you need sleep, uh, otherwise you can't work as effectively. And so getting to a point, creating a night ritual, you know, so I have a night ritual as well. Uh, like just, like I said, the, the, the list that I read out. So I'll read out my night ritual plan the next day. And this is where I watch a war movie scene. Partly I do this also because war movie scenes are very emotional for me. Emotional, you get you drain yourself emotionally. It tires you out a little bit more. Uh, and this might sound like crazy. I get it that the average person, this sounds like an insane ritual, but it works. Yeah, it's <laughs> uh, meditate and then play sleep music and then express some gratitude. So just sort of celebrating the wins. Uh, because often it's easier to get caught up in what's next, what's, what's, what's next, what's next. So just pausing to celebrate the wins a minute, you know, and, uh, and then just silencing your brain, playing that, playing that night music, which is that song for me. And it helps me shut off. So war <laughs> movies. I'm going to, I'm going to suggest that to everybody. Listen, man, I got this guy. We just did a podcast <laughs> and he says, everything's fine. Just watch really bloody war movies. So I'll just make a well, list. And point, do- just, just to be clear about the war movies, it's the, uh, why it triggers me. I'm a veteran, obviously. So yep. it has an emotional trigger. The point is you want to find something emotional to you. <laughs> right, right. Because emotion plus attention creates a memory. And memories are everything we're doing is a process of because a creation and a formation of memory. So why do you build habits? Because our brain creates a memory that this is a way to function. You know, this is a way to function. So when we create a memory, when we create something emotional, it stays in our brain. It channels it effectively. So I, that's how I now use you know use emotions powerfully to to stay sober uh, and to build memories of the value in that. So sometimes like when I remember when I when I sobered up, I came back from a uh, long run and I was listening to Bruce Springsteen songs and just feeling so at peace and. and and I remember a tear coming down my eye, and I would intentionally anchor in this emotion because an emotion—the stronger an emotion, the stronger it creates in a memory. So emotion plus attention, yeah. and then the third factor there is, is a combination of will. So this is why it's will. What I mean is the desire to like, and that's why I consciously watch a war movie. So that's the desire to create this, to put myself in this strong emotional state that will shape this attention, that will lead to this memory of then, like in, in this case, creating the memory of shutting off, and then I go to bed also remembering. I mean, I don't watch bloody scenes. It's more like these impact full scenes like uh, something like you in, can relate like to conversation like scene but like like in black hawk down it's where the guy talks about yep. how you know that it's about the men next to you something like that so i'm not trying to sleep with you know like blood in my, <laughs> right, in my mind right, right. but just sleep then i go to bed remembering that it's about service and it's hard and it's easy you know it's easy to get forget that from time to time but i go to bed trying to remember that this is why i'm doing it this is why it all matters so people out there listening right now too, it's starting to get complicated. So it's starting like, oh my gosh, he does all these things in the morning. He does all these things in the afternoon. He's very regimented. He does all these things at night plus the war movies. Oh my gosh, I can't do any of this. <laughs> I, I do like the uh, the gratitude piece and, and the meditation piece. I think those are both things that people can accomplish in a relatively quick uh, quick time. So wh- how do you do that sort of gratitude piece? Because I, I, I think that's something that you've got to force yourself to do. And it seems silly sometimes. You're like, I'm really thankful for this or this went really well today and how does that work in our favor and putting our minds in the right mindset to prepare for either sleep or prepare for the day 
you want to be again you want to be uh like you don't want to just do it for the sake of doing it you want to like bring emotion to it because again emotion shapes memory right so actually really feeling like you know being grateful for the wins being like what are you truly happy for and often a way to look at this is what did you not have you know like <laughs> looking at it from the other point of yeah. view of the pain is like you know that i'm i'm happy i have a beautiful wife who loves me i remember when i didn't have that you know or uh, sometimes it's like uh, I, i'm happy that somebody bought a book today you know that I, that that it could make an impact i've i know books have changed my life so i know that this could change it so really being very conscious bringing up that emotion to what this thing means to you to celebrate the win but you know the point of all this i definitely don't intend to make it complicated is i mean you want to you want to find like through this is i've developed this through this series of process of experimentations but if you had to sort of up put tie this all into a theme the point is you want to remove thinking as much as possible from the process of your life and lever and then exercise thinking when you need it most because when willpower is channeled to one thing with focus it's limitless and willpower is you know they always say all these studies on willpower talk about how willpower is this exhaustible resource so like any muscle the more you use it the more it drains but truly when you channel it to one thing it is this limitless thing and you see it all the time i mean you see yeah. mountaineers climb everest solo you know you see people running 50 miles a day for days on end to run across the like there's a guy who recently broke the record of the running across the united states last october ran about like close to 70 miles a day for 40 plus days yeah, i mean that's just that's like straight will like fighting your way through it obviously he's building habits in that but i mean today like yesterday for example i ran 11 miles the day before that i ran nine miles so when yesterday and i hadn't slept much the day before with book stuff um and uh, I was, you know, preparing some stuff. And I, when I woke up to do 11, you know, I had the structure, I had the system in place, but I still didn't feel like doing it. So sometimes you just have to fight your way through it and exercise your will for that one task. That was my one task for the day where I needed my will, right? So that's the kind of umbrella theme to, to really look at is where can I remove thinking from a, the from my life so I can channel my focus and my thinking to when I need it most. Got it. Before we talk about some of the faster questions here at the end, and let's talk a little bit about Fearvana again too, because I really want to get it in the head. Like who needs this book and who is this book good for? I want, you know, I want somebody out there to go, you know what, I think this is for me and, and this is why I think it should be for them. Who, who should read yeah. this book? I mean, truth is, you know, we all face fear, stress, and anxiety uh, at some point in our lives. So, it, it, I mean, yes, I hate to be generic. It can kind of apply to everybody because sure. anybody feeling fear. But, I mean, when I wrote it, I wrote it from the perspective of sort of my own struggles. So, definitely, there's element of veterans, uh, entrepreneurship for sure. I mean, you know it. Like, you've been, we both have been talking about the fear of uh, starting a business. Uh, athletics, I think, you know, uh, any endurance athletes, or not just endurance, but any sort of fitness and athletic endeavors, you will feel fear. I think kids especially need this. Yeah. Um, that's when I was – and so kids and parents kind of fall into that umbrella. Those are some of the key markets I was kind of thinking about when I wrote the book and when I, when I focused on it. Uh, but yeah, anybody feeling fear, stress, and anxiety, which is – Kind of everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's everybody I, I know, it. right? Yeah, exactly, right? So I'm not trying to like say that, you know, I'm trying to overpitch my book here, but the truth is, I think that's why I wrote it is because I don't know a person not feeling this. And that, I mean, I wrote this book specifically and chose to wrote the, write this because fear is this primal emotion that stops. I mean, the neuroscientist calls it fear is the most primal emotion. Anytime we do anything unknown, the brain is asking, is this thing going to kill me or not? And fear is that core. I mean, if you dig deep, we've talked a little bit about it, is that the, you know, every barrier stopping us, if you dig your deep and you go into those whys it's often a hidden fear yeah so that's why i wrote this book about fear is to help people change their relationship to it you talk about view a little bit let's just go over that because i think that's important because that's kind of a step process that we can do to yeah. if we feel this way because i always want to try to go uh, yeah yeah how do we how do we get yeah. this done man because so talk about that for a minute 
Sure. So one thing you want to do is whenever you're feeling it is visualize the pain. You'll often hear in this personal development industry, like visualize the other end. So visualize yourself with a million dollars in the dream car. But that's not nearly as effective as visualizing the (laughs) obstacle standing in your way. Right. So like, for example, Michael Phelps visualized himself swimming, not on the podium. So when his goggles got flooded, he kept swimming and still won Olympic gold. You know, I visualize myself running all the time. I mean, like before going on a long run, I'll visualize myself inevitably feeling that moment where it sucks and I want to kill myself and uh, <laughs> in this case it's a joke obviously but I know it'll be miserable <laughs> and I visualize myself like you know hitting that low point in my run and overcoming it so whatever pain you're facing visualize that pain and visualize all the detail go into detail like what Where are all it? the obstacles yeah. and visualizing yourself facing your obstacles because then you'll be better ready to face it when it actually shows up that's the V in this view formula. I is isolate yourself from the fear. And that's what we've kind of talked about is where you understand it so you can really figure out what's causing your fear and write these stuff down. Like, right, okay, why am I afraid? Yep. What's causing the fear? What am I afraid of? What's the worst case scenario that, that's scary? Okay, how can I prepare for the worst case scenario? What can I do if the worst case scenario shows up? So you're bringing reason and rationality into the fear. It doesn't mean the fear will go away. So the third step is E, embrace the fear. And this is where you're literally breathing it in, saying it's okay to be afraid and channeling the fear. I mean, Richard Branson says it's important not to fear fear because fear is fuel. So, and it is because when we actually breathe it in, fear enhances, it increases our, it actually, you know, releases, we've talked about oxytocin, dopamine, uh, some of these chemicals in our brain that channel us into a focused and more powerful state uh, when we embrace our fear. And they've done studies that have shown actually people, public speakers, they, which is the number one fear, by the way, they had two groups of public speakers. One, I mean, they were all afraid, but they had one group say things like, I'm calm, I'm calm to eliminate the fear. They had another group say things like, I'm excited, I'm excited to sort of embrace the fear. Yeah. And uh, the group that said, I'm excited, performed far better as rated by third-party objective viewers. Yeah. So embrace the fear. And finally, the W is the why. And this is like the why, the driving force behind you. Like what's waiting for you? Why are you engaging this fear? So like as I mentioned with my book, you know, to serve people. And obviously it has a personal and professional impact as well. So being present from that point of view of, of others and yourself and remembering not just the rewards on the other side of your fears, but also the consequences of inaction. Because that's a huge one, you know, like we, we we're like, what, what are the consequences if you don't take this action, if you don't step into your fears to build your business, to write your book, to run that marathon, whatever, you know, I mean, I remember like thinking about myself dying and not having shared fear of honor with the world. And that was like a terrifying thought, you mm-hmm. know, that would often say, okay, like get to work, you know, put this, put this thing into the, into make this real. So remembering the consequences as well. And this is one part, not in the view formula, but another one just really useful to add to help people and sort of make it actionable is what I call appointing fear allies, finding people in them. That means like a coach. It means like a consultant. It means like a mastermind group an accountability buddy. It also doesn't mean a person. It could be like a movie. I've talked a lot about movie scenes and music. These are my fear allies. They remind me to engage, you know, like help me engage my fears. So even before going for long runs, I'll watch ultra runners like Killian Jornet. I'll watch him run like videos of him running to help me. You know, that's a fear ally to help me embrace my fear of going for a long run. So those are some actionable strategies to help, uh, you know, channel your fear in action. And I like preparing for that too, because that's an, if you just think of that view sort of mentality and really you can go through that in a couple of minutes, but also having that yeah. person on your side too. And I do that. I have a, a person who's, I mean, he's a client, he's a friend, um, you know, we've, we've worked together for a long time and the silliest stuff I can just call him and go, look, tell me I'm being a, you know, tell me I'm being a wimp or tell me I'm being stupid. He was like, you're being stupid. And that, that sometimes just kind of gets me over that next hump. And so I think that's huge yeah. to have that extra ally with you. Couldn't agree with you more. It absolutely does help. Yeah, makes a big difference. Hi, everybody. Brian here real quick. 
This episode of The Business Machine is sponsored by the one and only Michigan Creative. That's right. Michigan Creative sponsors this Business Machine podcast for now. So if you have other sponsors that would be willing to sponsor our little Business Machine podcast, it's a great resource for business owners across the globe. And this one is sponsored by us here at Michigan Creative. Michigan Creative is a full-service marketing and design firm in Lansing, Michigan. We provide mobile-friendly websites, digital marketing, video production, branding, graphic design, and much, much more. So we'd love to work with you uh, wherever you are, and we really just want to talk to you. So if you want to just talk to us here at Michigan Creative, you can call me. My cell phone is 517-899-4533, or just visit michigancreative.com. All right, back to the show. So give me a business book or a book, I guess, in general for you. I'd like to see some of the books that you've read too, besides Fearvana, of course, that that you would (laughs) recommend to us or some things that have been helpful for you. Sure. Um, I love The Success Principles by Jack Canfield. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good summary of a bunch of strategies to make it very actionable. A recent book I read that has been very cool has been uh, Peak by Anders Ericsson. Mm. It's all about the science of peak performance and mastery. And uh, sort of if I had to summarize a third one that's been very helpful in terms of the emotional realm is a book called Buddha's Brain by Rick Hansen. Really? It's Buddha's Brain, the Neuroscience of Love, Happiness, and Wisdom. Huh. I'll have to look those up. Those are great. We'll put those in the show notes too. So yeah, it's one of those things that, you know, there's all these books out there too, but I'm always trying to find the one that I'm going to read more than the first 20 pages. Cause what happens is, is I, I I'm fearful because I start to read these books and I'm going, yeah. well, shit, I'm never going to do any of this stuff. <laughs> and if I don't, I'm going to fail. So I put them down and don't read them cause I can't sleep. So I found yeah. a few books that I can get through though. Yeah. Yeah. No, I understand. But one thing, don't read books right before sleeping. I used no. to do the same oh my thing. God. I did that. I was just going to say that. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I started, I I'm like, when I started this business, I got these business yeah. books and I was going to read them before I went to bed. And it was the worst thing I ever did. Cause I was like, Oh my gosh, I got to do this and I got to do this. Yeah. And so I stopped that. I learned the hard way there myself too, because <laughs> I know many people read before yeah. they sleep. Right. But that just does not yeah. work for me. <laughs> I, don't read, I read, I read books for fun at night now. So yeah, that was yeah. a mistake right, right there with you. <laughs> So if you could have dinner with anybody, any business owner or anybody in general, who would it be and why? Uh, specifically in the context of business owner, I think it would be Sir Richard Branson. He's an entrepreneur yeah. I really admire. He's always taking the next risk. He seems to embrace his fears, and he has fun while doing it. <laughs> and I think fear for plays into this a little bit, too, because – you know, I'm always when I see some of these people like, you know, Richard Branson and some of these people that have had great success, I think my fear is and, and this now I'll call it that is, is that, well, I'm never going to be able to get like that. Yeah, because and I think he, it's, he's had sorry, all this success. He's he's been there. He's had all yeah. this money now, too. Like, there's no way that. So why should I listen to him then? Because it's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. I understand what you mean. I think, you know, like one thing I'm always looking at is what can I learn from others to prove myself wrong is a good question to ask. Yeah. Because we, all, we often get caught up in our own way of thinking. And, but really the world is not the world. The world is our perspective of the world. So when I look at others, I think about, okay, what are they? What can they teach me to prove myself wrong about my current phase of being? And the thing is you don't have to be a Richard Branson. Like I don't even know if I want – I mean I don't, I don't want to necessarily be a billionaire and I love, I love him. But you know, I can learn from him, but I don't want that life necessarily for me. I would rather – like there's other people whose lives I maybe want to emulate a little bit more. I've talked about his model for my business but i definitely want to spend more time than let's say he would climbing mountains and running marathons right so you know so um so it's like yeah it's just but the more aware you are the more you can then say okay you know what i admire this person but doesn't mean i have to fall like like you know not every business owner wants to or needs to be a billionaire you know so and that's okay (laughs) if you don't want to that's cool (laughs) 
So for right there, there. we get the last question here before we do that. I want to know how do people best get in touch with you and what do you want them to do? Do you want them to visit the Fearvana website? What's the best way to sort of get into this fear phase, yeah. I guess? Yeah, fearvana.com. It's F-E-A-R-V-A-N-A, fearvana.com. You can uh, – the book we're giving away for free right now, so you can pick up the book for free. And you can also reach out to me. I definitely intend to be one of those authors that's very accessible and reachable. I'll respond to all my own emails. Uh, as you probably heard throughout the interview, it's all about service for me. So please do feel free to reach out. I'd be happy to help in any way I can. Cool. Okay. Is there anything that we miss, anything else you want to talk about, anything before we wrap it up? Uh, just, yeah, I think, you know, we kind of summarize, embrace those fears, learn that there are no bad or good emotions, whatever struggle you're feeling is part of the journey. There is no happily ever after. Even when you get to that end, whatever destination you're aiming for, there'll be the next one. So yeah, I know. when do learn we, to enjoy, when do we learn stop? To enjoy the journey? <laughs> exactly. The journey is the destination. That's a, that's a hopefully a good quote to end on. <laughs> so what do you think, or what do you hope that, you know, we're looking for the end and now we're talking about the end and when, when you and I are both gone and. And, and, you know, we're always trying, we don't think about that that much. I, I think throughout mm-hmm. our daily, you know, we're always thinking about, all right, when my, when, when for you, when the book's done, then what, um, then the Academy and then when the Academy's done, then what, mm-hmm. you know, I'm thinking about, okay, in five years, where are we going to be here at this company and things like that? But what do you hope that after it's all said and done and, and what do you hope that your legacy was or what do you hope it will be? I hope it'll be that I help people truly make their lives better by finding meaning in the struggle. Because like I said, we all struggle, and uh, and struggle's not a bad thing, though. And we live in a world that, that frames it that way. We want instant gratification. We're looking at our lives and making it easier. I wanna, I would hope my legacy is that I made their lives better by actually finding the gift in struggle. Cool. Well, Akshay, thank you very much. I know you made our listeners. You made my day better. I'm ready to take on the world. And <laughs> I have this meeting at 1 o'clock. I'm not afraid of it at all. Um, so I'm very glad that I got to talk to you. It's very uh, inspiring to let everybody know, I think, that – you know, the biggest thing is realizing that fear and, and really defining it and, and know that, that it's there. And I think if anybody gets anything from that from this podcast, that would be the one thing I think they could take away. Yeah, yeah, so, no, thank you so much for having me on the show. It was a pleasure, Brian. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Good luck with the launch of the book. And, or the book is launched. Good luck with everything else here on then. I'm looking forward to the, uh, the Academy for Kids and for young people. I think that's super important. So good job. Thank you. Thank you. That was Akshay Nanavati, and he's the author of Fearvana and lots of other things coming up, an uh, Iraqi war vet and also a great author and is doing some great things and giving back. So check it out at fearvana.com. We'll put all that in the show notes, and the book is free. You just got to pay for shipping, and there's an easy form right on his website to fill that out. We'll put that in there too. So thanks again, guys, for listening. I really want to thank Akshay again for being on our show. We're really glad to have him here. And remember, guys, a great leader makes everyone around, him and her, better than they are. Thanks, guys. We'll see you on the next one.